aspirepost.com. This podcast is just for you. This is how we make change happen. And I have the fabulous Charlie Mia Snow with me today. How are you, Charlie? I'm great. Thank you, Alex. Thank you so much for coming back for part two. We're in the full-fledged stage of new beginnings in 2017. That's right. So many new beginnings all at once. I, that's what it feels like. Yep. <laughs> Charlie and I will be talking about erotic embodiment massage and that's to follow on from the Hawaiian wisdom that we spoke about, which you can check out if you missed that at aspirepost.com. Charlie... Yes, Alex. Talking about hope and aspirations, Mm. your story is one of someone who's followed heart. Yes, and spirit very much. And spirit. So I offer Lomi Lomi, Hawaiian massage, and I also do Ho'oponopono, which is a Hawaiian method of um, clearing things basically so people can live their lives how they want to. And yeah, I also teach Hawaiian massage, Lomi Lomi. So all of the things that I do are aspects of Hawaiian wisdom and I do various dance things kind of connected to that as well. Um, So the erotic embodiment massage is an extension of all of my work. So you've already got a full portfolio and then you think to yourself, there is something else. There is more. There is more that I can offer. Yes. Because I guess I'm bringing that up because some of us get into uh, having a purposeful life where we go, here's my niche, this is what I do. I do Reiki or I do um, motivational questioning or I do, you know, like that mm. is my thing. Yep. And what I heard you just say is that I have, a th- I, have a, I have a foundation, I have a basis of Hawaiian knowledge and from that grows the uh, practice that you that you hold space in. Yeah, that's right. And it grows as I grow as a person, but it also grows as my knowledge and my access to different things grows. Yeah. And so why? Why this type of massage? Tell me everything. Everything. (laughs) (laughs) We might need longer than an hour for that. (laughs) Um, But I can tell you why this type of massage. Um, The basics of why is because I've been doing Hawaiian massage, which I call Lomi Lomi currently, for almost 15 years now. And I remember from the very beginning, I felt like there was something missing from what I was doing. And I, it took me a while to figure out what that element was um, for various reasons, partly because of, um, you know, taboo that's in society around working with sexual energy, um, partly because of my own confidence and trust in myself um, and my experience with things too. So, yeah, after a few years, it became very evident to me that what was missing was working with sexual energy and working with people's genitals because that's excluded in Lomi Lomi or Kahuna Hawaiian Massage. And so I decided that I would make it a mission of mine to find out how traditionally in Hawaii bodywork incorporated genital touch and sexual energy because I wasn't ever told that it was, I didn't read that it was, I didn't get any inkling that it was, except that in all of my reading and research and learning with various elders, I really 
began to understand that the Hawaiian culture traditionally had a very different understanding of sexual energy to what we have in the West. There was no separation. It was just, you know, considered to be a part of who we are, which it is really. We just try to pretend that it's not at times or, you know, sweep it under the carpet and, you know, problems arise out of that, obviously. Um, So, yeah, I made it my mission when I went to Hawaii three times um, to find out how it was incorporated in traditional massage. Every time I went there, I was met with um, dead ends. I couldn't get anywhere. And so then after a few years of doing that, I had to ask myself, well, you know, did I make this story up? (laughs) Where is this feeling coming from inside of me? What do I want to do with it? And I kind of let it rest for a little while. And then after a few more years, I realised that I couldn't allow that to rest because even if it wasn't incorporated in traditional Hawaiian massage, I felt that intuitively that I needed to be working with this because I felt felt like I was consistently, you know, doing doing a great job at helping people to relax and helping people to let go of things and helping people to find deeper balance and connection with themselves and their spirit but still there was an element that was missing and I felt that element was sexual energy and um, you know working on a a deeper level really helping people to embody their erotic being so I decided that I would you know jump into that and go and do some training in learning how to do erotic awakening massage Hmm. so I went and did that and then what happened in Australia yeah it was it was actually with Barbara Corellis who's um, an international amazing teacher who incorporates kink and tantra and she teaches people at a professional level to um, incorporate that in their work practice that they're already working with so I went and did that and learned how to do the erotic awakening massage and it just felt like it was the natural extension of Lomi Lomi that I was looking for And then very interestingly after that, because I am a teacher of Lomi Lomi and um, there's a lot of shame and judgment around working with sexual energy when you're doing Hawaiian massage, particularly in Australia and most especially when you're a teacher, I decided that I had to be very transparent with what I was doing and I chose to tell um, a respected Hawaiian elder what I'm doing because I didn't want them finding out from someone else. And I was told that traditionally that is what was done with Hawaiian bodywork. Oh, wow. So yeah. you've got a full circle there. Full circle. <laughs> and it took me about 13 years to get to that point. It's interesting that intuition that you're talking about of how do you uncover that for self and it wasn't going to come from an easy channel, that you actually had to go through that process of examining self first. Yes, to be able to get the answer you were looking from. That's right. For from an elder. That's right. I basically had to come to a place of embodying it myself and being comfortable and confident with that, and and kind of owning that, mm. um, for want of a better word. It is definitely connecting with all levels of self with mm. the touch. That's the aim of it. Yeah. Um, so there's no, you know, so everything can become integrated. So tell me, what can someone expect when they come to your to your practice and 
and book in how long does it go for what 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 can i expect yeah with an erotic embodiment massage mm. so it literally is an extension of lomi lomi for me so i start with the lomi lomi massage long flowing strokes i really help the person to relax and settle into their body um and then the session it starts to i start to work with person's sexual energy more actively um so that's through more sensual touch and activating the energy for them in in their pleasure centers mm but also working actively with the kundalini energy. And if I so work on an energetic level, but through touch as well. So if I notice any blockages in any of the particular chakras where the, where the energy is not allowing itself to flow through the spine, then I'll work with that to help unblock the energy. Mm. Um, yeah, and then go deeper with the massage. Um, if a person can sense and they'd like to experience genital touch, then I go into that as well. And I just incorporate that into the massage like it's another part of the body. So, you know, sometimes I focus a bit more on a leg and then I do some flowing strokes and bring it all together. So I do the same with the genitals and then I'm always bringing it up through the heart and getting a person to um, work with their breath actively in the session. And I also encourage people to really... um, to use their words in the session actually so unlike Lomi Lomi where it's about really relaxing and just letting go and receiving in this session I get people to be a bit more proactive because I find that um often not always but often a lot of people have stumbling blocks around um language with their erotic energy and their experiences and there's a real fear of you know not only knowing what they really want, but asking for what they really want. Mm. Um, so people can utilise the session to support them in through that experience. So a session tip lasts between two to three hours. And do you <clears> think <throat> that that lack of language comes from the taboo of actually talking about sexual energy in the first place? Absolutely, yeah. How does someone get to a point where they think, okay, I need to concentrate on my sexual energy and to be able to find that language when we're already battling with how do I even cope with having a massage in the first place, mm. <laughs> taking my clothes off? How do they get to that point? Oh, yeah. I don't know if no, I can that's answer everyone's that. journey, isn't it? <laughs> I, I, yeah. I guess it's not how do you get that point, but as a practitioner, how mm. do you encourage people to be able to... Um, uh, What's the word? Have permission for themselves. Mm. Do you know, you have to be a particular practitioner. Yeah, that's a really good question. And thinking about that makes me realise that um, there's quite a few reasons why I don't actually actively promote this aspect of my work. One is because I'm very particular about who I work with and um, clients need to be, you know, really wanting to work consciously with themselves to have a session with me with erotic embodiment um, because it's not just, you know, get your rocks off type of session. I'm not interested in working with those people. Um, But also, yeah, another reason I guess I don't advertise my work with that aspect is because... I really... I want people to come when they feel really ready. It's not about me trying to entice people to come and have that type of session with me. So what I find is that naturally clients who have been coming to me for a while and they've built up a certain level of trust with me um, and they find out about that aspect of my work, if that's something that they feel that they want to work with in their lives, then they feel comfortable and safe to do that with me. So they ask. Oh, Charlie, I just, I feel like this is a very different experience speaking with you as a practitioner because what I'm hearing in my head is 
I hold space. I hold space and it attracts the people that need that space. That is exactly right. And if I was to sum up in a sentence what I do with all of my work, but particularly with the erotic embodiment massage, it's that I hold space for people to have a deeper experience of themselves. That knowing is what we're all searching for in a very mm, commercialised capitalist space where we're trying to make ourselves happy. And I guess that's what... I guess I'm drawing it back to Aspire being uh, a passion of mine because how do we look inward? How do we, who do we, who are our role models? Who are our mentors? And that's why it's so important to have you on the show. Who else is speaking about this? You're listening to Aspire and it's with Alex and Charlie Mia Snow who is here for the part two conversation. Now, Charlie, it is a rookie's mistake when you're on the path of self-discovery to want to share that with everyone immediately and give them the gift that you have given yourself by telling them what they should and shouldn't do with their life. Yes, I think that's a very important point to be aware of and to talk about (laughs) (laughs) because not everyone wants to hear it and it's not appropriate for everyone. What would your suggestion be to someone who's, who's feeling trapped by wanting to give their opinion and tell people how they should live their life? <laughs> <laughs> so glad you asked. <laughs> well, I think that it's, um, it's not our job to change anyone else's opinion. But what about the animals, the animal cruelty and uh, climate change and the sustainability and don't use plastic straws and you shouldn't... I don't know, talk to kids like that and you need to look inward and what are we going to do with all of that? <laughs> How do I, we get the message across that, that animal cruelty is real in yeah, this That's an important thing, absolutely. And I really understand where you're coming from having been a militant vegan in the past and been one of those people that wanted to go out there and change the world and have conversations with everyone and make them more aware of how, you know, they should make responsible choices in their lives. Um, You know, when I was younger, perhaps I had more energy for that and didn't really care so much about people's responses. Um, But I think that what I learnt through that process myself is one that I can't... I can't change everything, Mm. yeah. Um, I have to start with myself and that it's actually, even though I believe that we're all here, you know, cohabiting on the same planet and it's our responsibility to look after the planet, I absolutely believe that. I don't think it's our individual responsibility to change anyone else's opinion. I think everyone has the right to their own expression, their own journey And all we really can do essentially is live our own lives in our own truth and find our own purpose and perhaps offer things to people, offer conversations, offer ideas. When it comes up in conversation that I was vegan um, and someone said, oh, or don't you miss bacon or whatever that's going to be. Yeah. There is going to be someone in the group or in that in my in the rounds that I do yep. <laughs> that says, "What made you do that?" Mm-hmm. And for me, that's the door. Yeah. That's the door because someone shows interest. Exactly, they're asking, they're yeah. inviting you to share. Oh, what a beautiful word! The invite in. Yeah. Yes. Yes. 
just because you know something doesn't mean you have to share it. That's right. And how do you make it meaningful for someone when they're inviting you in to share Mm. that? The other side of it is when you're just on the start of your journey. For a listener who's just starting their journey, Mm. who's just kind of starting to feel that inkling Mm. and that wake up of self. Mm. Where do we go? Who do we... Who do we turn to? It's not Beyonce. <laughs> well, it might be for some people. <laughs> True. I'll, yeah. yeah. That's a little bit judgy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can't make any assumptions at all. Um, I really think that purpose is key. Mm-hmm. Knowing our purpose in life. And the Hawaiians say it's actually our kuleana. It's our responsibility to find our purpose and to share that with the world. So I think, I think that's key. You know, if we don't know what our purpose is, I think starting from asking the questions in your life that you might need to to help you find or get clearer on that path of what your purpose is is a great place to start if you want to. Hmm. Nice. And when you say purpose, I'm hearing your why. Yeah, exactly. Why am I here on this planet? You know, I I don't believe that it's just to, you know, get up in the morning and go to a job that you might not like that much and to pay the mortgage and, (laughs) you know, just get on with life like that. I don't don't believe that's people's purpose. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's deeper than that. There's a deeper calling than that. Yeah, but even if, you know, you might find that your purpose is to simply, um, you know, embrace all aspects of yourself or live your life from your heart or, you know, be more caring and kind in your life, you still might continue doing the same job. You still might continue living in the same house. It's not necessarily about breaking down everything and changing everything, but it's about really, you know, connecting more deeply with yourself and spirit higher consciousness, whatever you might call it. Mm. Um, yeah. The other day it was suggested to me that I rest my mind more often, mm. that my central nervous system was overactive. Mm. Mm. How does that feel for you? Well, I thought, and then he said, please don't overthink that. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Part of what you're talking about is becoming, getting, uh, relaxing and being in your body. Yes. And and you use that through Lomi Lomi uh, and teach that as well. Yes, Lomi Lomi is definitely a tool that can help that. Do you have any other strategies of how to move from being controlled by the mind and, and sit in self instead? Mm. Well, I will go back to something that I shared last week, and that is the Hawaiian belief, which is also my belief, that um, we are not the separated small individual that sometimes we get stuck in thinking that we are. And I really believe that there is something much bigger going on here. Um, You can put a whole bunch of different words onto that, whatever fits right for you, but I call it akua, which is spirit in Hawaiian, and and it's that that place where everything is connected. Uh, Yeah, firstly, it's acknowledging that something bigger than you exists, and then the next step is connecting with that, expanding out beyond your separated individual self. 
That was beautiful. Mm. Yeah. I, and I, and I, what came to mind was uh, in part one when we spoke to you, um, you spoke about the unshakable foundation. Yes. And if you're standing on an unshakable foundation, I guess you don't need to grab a pulpit and start yelling about all the things that you should be doing to have a better life, that I want to help you have a better life and recognising the difference between what you were saying before around erotic embodiment massage of holding space. Yes. Which is different from finger pointing. Absolutely. And you'll find that any of the amazing, um, I'm not sure of what word to say, but you, you could say healer, although I don't believe anyone heals anybody else. But in the West, that's kind of a term that we use, you know, but anyone out there that's really supporting people to connect with themselves more deeply and make changes um, and become more whole and you'll find that they're not out there promoting themselves big time. Mm. Like for sure, you know, I have flyers around and I have things on Facebook so that people are aware that what I do exists, but I'm not out there telling everybody that, you know, that I'm amazing or fantastic. Well, you're you know? not saying that you can heal someone's, you can save them or heal their life. No, absolutely not. I oh, goodness, though, I know when I've been in a space of desperation, that's all I've wanted <laughs> is to be able to Google and say, can someone please... Can someone fix me? Can this yeah, <laughs> tell this me what broken. to do? Yeah, do you, do you go into talking about how to make sure that that uh, energetic yeah. break exists in being a practitioner? Yeah, absolutely. It's integral. It's integral to being an authentic practitioner in terms of in terms of a person being able to receive um, what they need to receive and to be able to you know, heal in themselves. They they need to not have attachment to the practitioner. Right. Yeah. Um, but also for the practitioner, in order for it to be sustainable, what they're doing, you know, long term, they need to not have attachment to their clients as well. Mm. So it's, it's very, very important. And I teach it. I teach people how to protect themselves energetically, various tools that they can use for that. I also teach them to be very aware of where they're coming from with their sessions, not only in preparation, but also actually in the sessions. So for instance, me, you know, I'm there, I'm very present with the session, um, you know, 100%, my mind, my body, my spirit, they're not anywhere else. But I am not doing the work. Mm. It is coming through me. Yeah, so I'm connecting to spirit all of the time. And all of my work that I do always starts with prayer. So before a client comes to me, I sit down and I connect with Akua with spirit and I say a prayer and I ask for protection. And then during the session, I do that as well. And I close the session with that. So yeah, it's about being very mindful of not using your own energy, not draining yourself, um, doing things that protect yourself. Yeah, and not attaching and knowing that you're not there to fix anyone or solve anything for anyone. You're there to offer. You're there to hold space. You're there to create an opening for change to happen within a person if they want that. Yeah. Fabulous. People can go to alohamia.com uh, for more information. Yes. Wow. You've been listening to aspirepost.com. Tune in next time and find out how you can make change happen.